0: grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean O'Zaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we continue in this series called In This We Trust as Pastor Sean will give you practical advice and biblical wisdom when it comes to your finances. So what if the journey to financial freedom intersects with trusting in the Lord for wisdom? Are you willing to take the necessary steps to gain His wisdom? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. The name of this message is called Learning Financial Wisdom. Pastor Sean is teaching from Galatians 6 and James chapter 3. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: We're going to continue this series that we've been in, In This We Trust. And we've been using this issue. The Bible talks a lot about finances, resources, because we, we, so much of our heart gets wrapped up in those things. And honestly, a lot of us, I think, carry a lot of brokenness when it comes to the issue of resources, finances, our needs. And I want to suggest that when we get this area in order, it can kind of set the stage for so many other areas of healing and release and freedom. We began by talking about this idea that financial freedom begins by deciding who you trust. Deciding who you trust. The scripture presents God as our provider. We looked at that beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus says, Father knows what you need. Seek him first. Seek his kingdom. And all that you need will be added to you. And we, we have a decision to make. Do I trust that? And that's a core issue. Do I trust him? Do I trust his intention for me? You know, God's intention for us when it comes to all of our lives, as well as this area of resources, and I want you to hear this, his desire and his intention for you is for freedom. He wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to be in bondage. He doesn't want you to be living in fear, in anxiety, in debt. He wants you to be free. He wants you to prosper. Really, in every area of our life, including our finances, he wants you to prosper financially. That doesn't mean he wants everybody to be rich. It just means he does want you to prosper. And he wants your your life and your resources to have purpose and meaning. Not just be squandered, but to actually do something that matters. That's our Father's heart for us. And until we understand and accept that, okay, everything else is going to be kind of a stumbling block. We moved on, and last week we talked about the gift of stewardship. One of the ways God uses to set us free is this gift of stewardship. This idea that really, if we're objectively honest... Everything that we have is a 70, 80, 90, however long we live, it's alone. We come in with nothing, we leave with nothing. And that's just empirically true. The the scripture says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Talk about our homes. Somebody else, that property was there before us, someone else had it, that property will be there after us, somebody else will have it. When you stop and think about it, with this understanding that it's all God's and we are taking care of something that it's in our hands for a time, that is such a freeing gift. And we saw that God has given us this covenant to help us walk in this gift of stewardship. And it's the covenant of the tithe. We saw the covenant of the tithe, the giving of a tenth, is God's gift to set and to keep my heart free. Very powerful understanding. And we saw that the scripture promises God wants to teach us, wants us even to test us in this, that he will do more. He will bless us more. We will be more abundant with 90% with what he does. He'll bless us more with 90% than what we could do with 100%. And again, do you trust that? It's a big issue. Now, we're on this journey to freedom. And what I want to say, and we talked a lot about it last week, the promise of the tithe, the promise of blessing, and what God wants to do. But just let me say, the promise of the tithe does not mean that we are immune to the consequences of bad choices. Does that make sense? What good does it do to have the windows of heaven open if we're just going to flush it all down the toilet of poor financial management? And it's really true. Blessings of God are not a way to kind of cover up consequences for stupid or wrong things that we do. See, there's what Scripture calls the law of the harvest. Look what it says, Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. It's just truth. And in this area of finances, we want to understand and work with this principle, not against it. Because when you try to work against eternal principles that are true, you end up spinning your wheels and beating your head against the wall. Now, I want to talk a little bit about wisdom, because that's really where we're going to center this morning. Wisdom. Wisdom in general. Okay? Wisdom is not about quoting wise sayings or primarily about words at all. There's people who sound wise versus people who are wise. Okay? Wisdom is understanding and living according to reality as God created it. That's wisdom. Understanding and living according to reality as God created it. There's spiritual wisdom, living according to God's word and his principles. That is reality. Okay? The spiritual world, just because it's not physical, doesn't mean it's like figurative. It is, it is literal. It's just not physical. And living according to spiritual reality, his word and his principles, is spiritual wisdom. Natural or physical wisdom. The realities of life in the physical world. Please, gravity is one of those things you just need to make your peace with it. If you're at the top of a building and you go, I want to test gravity, don't do it by just jumping off, okay? Please. That would not be wisdom. Living with the realities as God created them, understanding them and living with them is wisdom. Relational wisdom. There are ways that we respond to and treat people that will yield good fruit. See, look what James 3.13 says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from what? Wisdom. Let him show it by his good life. That's really an important idea. Wisdom is revealed by what you do, not by what you know or what you claim to know. Knowledge is a wonderful thing, but knowledge in and of itself doesn't cut it. Wisdom is what, what allows you to take that knowledge, take the reality that exists and put it to good use and act according to God's reality. How do you know wisdom? Because we live in a world where you'll hear wisdom, one, one really wise sounding expert with lots of letters after their name will say this and another wise sounding expert with lots of letters after their name will say the exact opposite. How in the world do I know what's wise? And this is in any area, not just finances, finances, in any area of your life. How do I know what's wise? Well, Jesus tells us. Remember in Luke chapter 7, the religious leaders were criticizing him. And they had criticized John the Baptist, who John lived a very Spartan lifestyle. And Jesus came and lived among people. He says, John came and he neither ate nor drank, but you criticized him. You rejected him. And then look what he says about himself. He says, verse 34 and 35 of Luke 7. The son of man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And then look at this, this little gem right here. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Wisdom is justified by all her children. You know what we call it? We We call that about evaluating the fruit. You want to know how to know who's really wise? What do they do, and what kind of fruit does it produce? What kind of children does it produce? That's what Jesus is saying. It goes back to Galatians chapter uh, 6, the law of the harvest. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. You want to know what real wisdom looks like? Look at the fruit. I mean, I, Man, we live in this world of words, words, words. Oh my gosh, there's so little wisdom in the world. I have a Twitter account. I will occasionally post something on Twitter, but I can't spend a lot of time there because I can literally feeling, feel myself getting dumber as I read. It's like every person in the world is, just has permission to spew whatever they want. And you've got to be careful. And how, how do I know? How do I know who's right? How do I know? Jesus told you. Wisdom is justified by all her children. What is the fruit? What is the fruit? And in in this area of finances are no exception. We want, what we want to know is what is wise when it comes to finances. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the main point that I want you to take this morning. Maintaining financial freedom always requires living with financial wisdom. Maintaining financial freedom, walking in the freedom that God has, that he designs, it requires living with financial wisdom. And I have to tell you, the Bible is full of financial wisdom. It talks about how to handle this area. And guys, i going, why are we talking about that in church? What does church have to do with finances? Did you realize so much of our life has to deal with finances? I doubt there are very many people in this room this morning. What time is it? It's 10, 12. Thank you. It's 10-12. I doubt there are any people in this room, or, or very many anyway, who haven't had to in some way think about money this morning. I mean, I mean you thought some way about, oh, can I afford to stop and get, get a cup of coffee? Do I have enough? Do I have cash on me? Oh, what about the, the donuts out there? Oh, what, what, do I have enough gas? Do I need to stop and get gas? i got to buy gas. I mean, just think about how many areas of our life this impacts, and so many of us are getting beaten up. That's why the Bible talks about it. It is because God desires for us to be free And a lot of people live in this fear and bondage when it comes to resources or money. That's why we're talking about it. And the truth is maintaining financial freedom always requires living with financial wisdom. So this morning, now we've been kind of in in kind of these deeper heart issues the last couple weeks. This morning we're going to kind of come up for a little bit, and we're just going to look at six wise financial practices according to Scripture. Next week I'm actually going to give us what I consider to be a central idea That will help us live according to these practices. Okay, But I want to share just six wise financial behaviors that are talked about in Scripture. The first, number one, put God first in your finances. And you're like, well, wait a minute, haven't we talked about that the last couple weeks? Yes, but it is the beginning. It is the foundation because it is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the Scripture says, of understanding Put God first in your finances. That means remembering that he is my provider. My job, my company is not my provider. That is my provision. So if I have to switch, if I lose my job and God provides another, he's my provider. I am secure in him. That is a game changer when you understand that. Remember, that's why Jesus said, Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom, whose? Fathers. And his righteousness, whose? Fathers. And all these things will be given to you as well. And what he was talking about, remember, is food, clothes, the stuff you need. He says, Father knows what you need. He wants to provide. You go, wait a minute, God's not my provider. I have to go to work. I have to, I have to earn that money. Well, that's true. We do earn, but he enables. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers, as it is today. He gave you gifts. When I hear someone say, oh, I'm self-made. Oh, I'm self-made. Nobody helped me up. I'm just like, dude, stop it. Stop. Listen. Listen to yourself. Think of all the things that God gave you. Relationships, gifts, abilities, talents. All those things that you take pride in, you know they were a gift from the Lord. It is He who enables. And we saw last week that all of it's His, and He allows us to utilize it. In fact, He wants us to. He wants us to make the most of it and to utilize it.
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called Learning Financial Wisdom. The series is called In This We Trust, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: You know, we we think of finances, a lot of what we talk about in the pop culture, you know, we think of capitalism and kind of the view of capitalism is, well, what's mine is mine, I earned it, I'm entitled to keep it. If you didn't, well, tough luck, okay? And then there's, no, 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 there's communism. And that's what's yours is mine, and I have a right to it. The redistribution of wealth is taking what someone has earned and giving it to someone else who didn't earn it. So we got capitalism, we got communism, but then there's Christianity. And what Christianity says is, what's mine is really God's, because I'm God's. And I want to make the most of it, and I'm willing to share it. That's the Christian perspective when it comes to resources. And again, last week we talked about the way to do this is I pay God first. This thing called the tithe. I'm not going to re-preach a message on that. If you didn't hear that last week, it's online. You can go on the app or you can go online. It's called A Heart Set Free. We talk about this powerful principle where God literally, literally allows us to mathematically prove his faithfulness and goodness. Check it out. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 sums it up wonderfully. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new Wine, the first principle, wise principle, is put God first in your finances. Remember, maintaining financial freedom always requires living with financial wisdom. Put him first. Second, and it seems kind of obvious, but I think more and more in our culture, it needs to be said: Secure your income by honest work. Secure your income by honest works. Second Thessalonians 3: 11 and 12. We hear that some among you are idle. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread that they eat. That is a powerful principle. Do you know work is a gift? Work is a gift of the Lord. Some people go, well, wait a minute, in the Bible, wasn't work part of the curse? No, it was not. Work was before the curse. The curse had ramifications on our work, but God place man in the garden. He told him to work it, to care for it. It was like this partnership. God intends us to work. He has given you gifts, talents, and abilities. Work is God's gift for us to be able to creatively express ourselves and make a positive difference in the world, as well as care for and meet our family's needs. That's how the Bible presents work. There is virtue in hard work, and it's part of God's design. I just want to say some of us have, have missed that idea, and we will do anything possible to avoid work. And I'm not, I, there's some work that is just unpleasant, you know, and that you go, well, i got to do it, and you kind of do that first just to get it out of the way. That's fine. I'm just talking about not understanding what a powerful thing this is, and it is God's primary gift for us to support ourselves and to secure our income. Beware of things like get rich quick. Okay, I know that a lot of people go out, spend a lot of time looking to get rich quick. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but man, when I get stuck at a gas station line or in the convenience store and I'm behind a bunch of people buying lottery tickets, one, I'm annoyed, okay, because I'm just not a very nice person that way. But, no, But two, I'm also feeling bad for these people because you understand lottery is a tax on people who are bad at math. There's a reason it's such a lucrative fundraiser for the state. I mean, think about it. Fact is, the lottery and things like that, it's like, like, dude, they make so much money because the mathematical odds are that you're throwing your money away. You're throwing your money away. Stop throwing your money away. If you have so much money, you have nothing better to do with it. God, i got to do something with it. Come and talk to me. we got lots of ministries around here. I'll help you. I'll help you do something awesome with your resources, okay? If if you're throwing it away because you just have too much, come and talk to me. But sadly, it's sometimes the people who can least afford it are rolling the dice i mean there's there's other things there's you know multi-level marketing things i'm not i'm not saying every multi-level marketing or every network business no there's a lot of good businesses that carry on their business that way that's great but there are some that promise you know oh you're gonna get rich like this and you're not gonna have to work when someone says that run when someone says you're gonna get rich and you're not gonna have to work at all it's just fine just like dude are you are you serious when they show you a seventh-generation photo check, of a photo, photocopy of one guy's check for, like, look at his check, fifteen thousand a month, you'll be getting that. I mean, just be wise. See, honest work is the key. Proverbs fifteen: He who profits illicitly troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live dishonest work god cannot bless dishonest money proverbs 13:11 dishonest money dwindles away but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow cheating is not a way to prosper okay cheating at work whether it be by not giving a full day's work for a full day's wage taking things from work dishonest sales dishonest contracts dishonest business god can't bless cheating that's not freedom he has better for you. Stop it. He wants to set you free. If that's, if that's a way that you've been trying to get a little extra, I just want to say you are literally blocking the hand of God's blessing. God can't bless that. There's really two ways the Bible gives us to make money. Hard work and invest well. Work hard, invest well. That's how, that's how he called us to do that. Okay. Maintaining financial wisdom, freedom always requires living with financial wisdom, and securing your income by honest work is financial wisdom third point really important so you need to write this down it's in the notes but if you're not taking notes you should start right now okay save second save second i want to present something to you that i every time i talk about money i throw this in somewhere okay because it's so simple and so powerful i taught my kids to try to f- pursue this type of arrangement in their finances it's not easy but man, is it good. And it's just very simply this. Write it down on the blank. I gave you a blank in the notes. There it is. Write down 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. It's so simple. The idea is to tithe 10, save 10, live off of 80. And I lost like half the crowd right now. Some of are like, dude, you're out of your mind. Are you kidding me? I can't live off 100%. There's no way I'm going to live off of 80. I want you to hold that thought for a minute. The idea is pay God first because it's all his. The tithe is holy to the Lord. Honor him. Come under that covenant of his blessing. Come under the promises of his blessing. Pay yourself second. This is what you're going to, and I'll talk about this in a minute, and then live off of the rest. 10, 10, 80, Proverbs twenty-one, twenty. Look what it says. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. That's very convicting. Let me just say, by the way, as I share these principles, every time I teach on finance, every few years I'll teach on finances, I am convicted again. And and Lori and I really try to work and live off of wise financial principles, but there's areas where you slip because you know what? My flesh never wants to lead lead me towards wisdom. The carnal nature, the flesh in me, always wants to lead towards self-indulgence and foolishness. It's the spirit that leads towards wisdom. So whenever I come to this, there's things that I find convicting. And this is one of those things. Look at that. That's what the scripture says about the house of the wise. See, it's the difference between consuming all we have versus planned saving. Planned saving. And this must become a habit. I'm not saying it's easy. Some of you were raised with wise financial habits, and you were raised to save. And I just want to say, like I told you before, drop your parents or whoever taught you, drop them a little note and say thank you. Because some of us weren't. I was not raised with the practice of saving being taught to me and modeled and and disciplined into me. My wife was, and I thank God for that. Okay? How much better is my life because she was taught that principle, was taught those ways. But you need to know this needs to become a habit, and if it's not, it's going to hurt at first. But then... It'll yield good fruit. See, savings is so powerful. In fact, I want you to write this down. Savings equals, in your notes, savings equals freedom fund. That's so what it is. Savings is your freedom fund. God wants you to be free. This is one of the ways that he enables you to do that. It enables you to live beyond survival. Remember we talked about how many people are living paycheck to paycheck? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And in light of the, the financial shutdown and all these government employees who people were very worried, and a study came out that showed of people live paycheck to paycheck. They have no provision if something goes wrong. Zero. It's like almost 80% of the people in our culture. And so if this room is any indication, if we are similar, that means 80% of the people in this room need to really pay attention to what's being said right now. Because this allows us to live beyond that survival. Get out of the paycheck to paycheck mode. It allows you to be prepared for unexpected expenses. Which, that's a ridiculous statement, isn't it? Because I can't tell you what the details are, but what I can tell you is things are going to come up. And how can I call something that I know inevitably is going to come up unexpected? Right? I, can't, I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, if you stop and think about it, you know there's always something. There's always something that pops up in a month or pops up in a couple-month period. That, oh, I didn't plan on that. Well, I can't really call it unexpected. Those unplanned things that come up that I have to take care of, savings allows me to take care of that. Save, now, write this down, too. This is a great phrase. You need to write this down. An obedience fund. An obedience fund. It, when God starts putting something in my heart and says, somebody should do something to help that neighbor. Something should, somebody should do something to help with that ministry at the church. That missionary, that man is doing such a good work that there's a need right now. Somebody should do something. And God says, I want you to do something. Savings allows me to, to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And to do it. Otherwise, I can feel God's nudge to do something, and I don't have the means to do it. That's a very frustrating feeling. Savings becomes an obedience fund. It allows me to be generous. Do you know most people I talk to want to be generous? I don't know many people who go, yeah, I just want to be stingy. That's my goal, to be the tightest son of a gun you've ever met. I don't know anybody who walks around like that. Most of us want to be generous. There's something in our heart. We're like our father that way. Our father is generous, and we'd like to be generous. Savings allows us to do that. It allows us to be that person who goes, well, I I can help with that. It changes things.
0: That's Pastor Sean Ozzaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, In This We Trust, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org.